Let us pray. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Amen. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ has been the subject of countless artistic interpretations throughout the church's long history. Every painter worth his or her salt, it seems, has taken to canvas at one point or another in an attempt to encapsulate the profound severity of God's wrath being poured out on his only begotten Son for our salvation, and with good reason. The events we gather to witness this evening are the very kernel, the core of our Christian religion. The price to be paid for our sin is a debt of blood. And at Calvary, the blood of Christ is spilt freely on our behalf. Of all the artists who ever painted this dramatic scene, it is unlikely that any succeeded in terms of the sheer volume of their work than that of a 17th century Flemish portraitist named Peter Paul Rubens. Throughout his illustrious career... Rubens portrayed the crucifixion narrative more than seven different times, and in these seven different times, he often had multiple alternate variations, each created to illustrate a different part or aspect of the narrative which you just heard. Arguably, the most dramatic and visually striking of these paintings is one entitled Le Coup de Lance, which captures the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit. And as the name implies, that moment where the Roman centurion pierced his side with the spear to confirm his death. The work is so detailed and so intense that it borders on exhausting to look at. Yet out of all of the subjects which Rubens portrays in this painting, the darkened sky, Pilate's inscription at the head of the cross, the two thieves, the onlookers, the weeping woman, the centurion, the spear, the thorns, the nails, the blood. Two figures in particular stand out above all the rest. The first, of course, is the figure of Christ himself at the very center of the piece, his body broken his sullen face downcast in submission to death, his blood shed for us, now flowing from the open wound of the guard's spear. The second figure which stands out, however, is that of his apostle and the subject of our witnesses to Christ's series this day, St. John the Evangelist. John is distinguished in this painting not because of what he is doing, but by what he is wearing. In stark contrast to the earthy tones, the the dark grays and blacks which surround this grim scene, John's cloak is a bright red, almost scarlet. Why might this be? John is traditionally held to be the youngest of Jesus' twelve apostles and unique among them in that he was the only one present there that day to witness his rabbi's crucifixion. Perhaps it is because of his youth that John did not flee. Perhaps he still retained some of that childlike faith which Jesus so admonished his followers to have. We also know that John 
is the author of the fourth and only non-synoptic gospel, as well as three epistles, and of course the book of Revelation. John was privileged among the twelve to live well into old age, and he was the only one to be spared martyrdom. Consequently, many Christians have mistakenly assumed that these things were indicators that John has had some sort of special standing or favor with Jesus. That because he was more obedient than the rest, that God was rewarding his good works with temporal blessing. A notion further compounded by the fact that reading John's gospel, we see him repeatedly refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, or simply the beloved. With these characteristics in mind, it is easy to come to some false conclusions about St. John. So let us this evening dispel some of them. No, John's long life was not a result of his works, but the mighty plan of God to use him to deliver his word of life to the early Christian church. No, John was not more loved by Jesus than any of the other apostles, nor was he presuming upon himself some special standing in referring to himself as beloved. Surely Jesus loved Peter and James and Matthew and Thomas, but still John calls himself beloved. Because this, this was how he understood his relationship to the Lord. The events which John witnessed at Calvary convinced him that if God was willing to suffer all this for a sinner such as he, then he must be beloved indeed. The red of John's robes at the scene of the crucifixion, according to Peter Paul Rubens, denote that this beloved apostle like all of us poor, miserable sinners, has been washed in the blood of Christ crucified. And so, yes, he is truly beloved. Beloved enough to behold with his eyes the machinations of our redemption. Beloved enough to share in his Lord's passion and death. Beloved enough to provide care for his Savior's widowed mother. And beloved enough to bear witness to what would soon follow. The price for our sin and disobedience was a debt of blood. And on Good Friday, that blood rained down on St. John, staining his cloak in the righteousness of Christ crucified, and he was made new. We are made new. For this reason, we call this day on which our Lord spilt his blood, good. Imagine that. Good Friday. The day on which Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who healed the sick, who drove out demons, who fed the hungry, who gave good news to the poor and imprisoned, who was betrayed and tortured and murdered by a craven mob, and we call this day good 
the day on which the wages of our sin were laid bare and leveled against none other than him who loved us, the day on which God's righteous and justified wrath are poured out in totality on a holy, innocent man, and we call this day good. But how good it is. For despite our depravity, despite our anger, and our disobedience, and our sin, still the Christ ascends that hill to be crucified in our place, to spill his blood for the sake of we who killed him. Like John, we are beloved by him who suffered all these things for our sake. We are washed in his blood, and we are made new, redeemed, and distinguished, called sons of God by virtue of Christ's passion for us. Witness Christ on Calvary, you Christians. See the thorns and the nails. See the spear and be convinced, as was St. John the Evangelist, beyond any shadow of a doubt that God must love you indeed. For here at Calvary, is the full atonement made. Here at the death of the innocent man is your guilt taken away. Here is the great reversal by which you who were dead in your trespasses are made alive. Look upon the crimson flood poured out for you on this holy hill. Look with John upon the machinations of your redemption and see and understand that in spite of your sin, in spite of all the evil which you have wrought, your God remains good.